Thessalonians, we are continuing on in this little letter. The heart of Paul is the message for the evening, but some, some encouraging things here. We're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 2, 17 to 3, 5. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of change that's taken place in the last 2,000 years, uh, especially with technology and travel. Uh, Paul, back in the first century, you know, this is probably, as we've been looking at this, about 50 A.D., give or take a year. And here he's, he's, his heart just goes out to the Thessalonian Christians. He, he doesn't know how they're doing spiritually. And he's just, and we'll see that, that's kind of the main theme of our passage, is this desire he has for these Christians and, and their spiritual good. But you just think of the differences now. I mean, here he's in the midst of an 18-month stay in Corinth, as he's writing to the Thessalonians. And he's separated by about 350 miles. And I think there's a map there. Go to the next slide, Abby. So... He's down there in Corinth, down to the south there, and he's riding to, to Thessalonica. And it's about 350 miles, or three, uh, over, over that a little bit. So that's, that's about the distance from here to Minneapolis, uh, or to Indi Indianapolis. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's quite, a, quite a distance. You know, in, in, in our day and age, it might be about a six-hour a six drive. In that day, Traveling either by donkey or by horse, you know, probably 20 to 25 miles a day. So that's probably a three-week to month-long journey to, to go that far. Uh, so, you know, we're so blessed now with technology and with smartphones and, or just phones in general. You can, you can reach anyone worldwide uh, you know, as long as they have a phone nearby, just almost instantly. Or, or within a matter of minutes, and know how somebody's doing, and can have a conversation. But that wasn't the case for Paul. That wasn't the case when this letter was written. And, and he would have to write a letter and then send it uh, by the mail service, and that wasn't wasn't de de dependable. It was you know they lost a lot of letters too, uh, but it could take upwards of a month to get there. Uh, so it was. It more, it was safer to send it with somebody you knew who, who could make the journey. And so we'll see tonight, he sends Timothy uh, with, with this letter. And, and there were some, some other tasks for him as well. But for, for, for Timothy to, to bring this letter and then to, you know, as we'll see, to encourage them in their faith, to hear about their faith, and then to get a response back to Paul, I mean, this would take months, <laughs> several weeks, if not months, for, for Paul down in Corinth to find out how these Christians are doing. So he just really needed to trust God. And, you know, it was really out of his con control. He just, he, has, he had to trust that what he did there in Thessalonica and the things he taught and preached made, made a difference. Yeah, so... That's, that's kind of the basis for this passage here, as he's just, he just has this, 
this desire to know how they're doing, how, how they're getting along. Um, it says, when you look at the very first verse in verse 17, it says there, his heart. It says they were separated for a short time in person, not in heart. And so his, you know, the, he just has a heart. He has this love for these Thessalonians who have come to Christ. He prayed for them. You just saw early in the book, every, every day, or he prayed for them constantly mentioning you in our prayers. But he just doesn't, he didn't know how, how they were doing. So, you know, as you know, uh, First Thessalonians, there's a lot of introductory material to start the book. It's five chapters, but here we're going to proceed into chapter three, and he's still... Well, the first three full chapters are about the background, about his, his short time in Thessalonica and what God did uh, with, with, the, with their ministry. But, you know, chapter one was about what he was thankful for with the church. A lot of specific things, their strong faith, their uh, reputation had spread through the whole region, which was great. You know, even down in Corinth, he was hearing good, good reports about the Thessalonians. But the thing is that those reports are weeks, if not months old. And he's wondering, how are they doing right now in their faith? Uh, and their repentance was genuine. And then last time in chapter 2, verses 1 to 16, if you recall, we looked at how, you know, how they ministered. And he just recounted what their ministry was like. How, remember he said he was like a mother and a father both. And they served with integrity. They boldly preached the word. And their desire was to please God and not men. All these things. But let's go ahead and just read the text. Starting at, at verse 17. Down to uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Paul writes, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored, more the, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we, could not, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in the faith that no one be moved by, the, by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when we could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would, would be in vain. So let's go, let's go ahead and pray right now and ask for the Lord's blessing. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this time in your word. We thank you for the blessing of having the Bible. We thank you that it's inspired. 
We can trust it to be true and right. Lord, it's, it's our authority, and we always learn more about you and what you expect of us when, when we open the word. We just pray tonight as we look at, at the next passage in 1 Thessalonians, that you would speak to our hearts. I pray the Holy Spirit would guide us, that we would understand uh, more of what, how Paul was just, he, he desired for these Thessalonians to grow spiritually. Help us to, Lord, to also be growing spiritually and to learn the lessons you'd have for us from this text. Lord, I pray you'd speak through, through me tonight. I pray for your blessing. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, here, you know, we look at his motivation. What were his... His, his motivation. Here he's separated by such a great distance, just wandering t- up, up to the north. How are the Thessalonians doing? You know, they didn't leave on good terms. They were kicked out of town. They had to leave at night. And they, they, they escaped and just, just wandered. So what, what were the desires and longings of his heart? Well, the first thing tonight, the first point is he wanted to be reunited with them because there was a true source of blessing. He wanted to be reunited with them because they were a true source of blessing. He just, we see that in verses 17 to 20. Uh, right there at the beginning of verse 17, how, how was Paul separated from the, from the Thessalonians? What's it, what's it say there? Well, before that, there's a description of how they were, how they were separated. Torn away. That's, <laughs> that doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? That's not a good way to leave, and that was the, the last time they were, they were, they were together. They, was, they were torn away. And in Acts 17, it talks about that. Um, they, they had a ministry that didn't last very long. It could have been three weeks up to a few months or six months uh, there in Thessalonica. But they, they had to hide in Jason's house and they had to leave. They were forced out of town. But torn away. They, you know, they, they could have, I'm sure Paul felt like he could have accomplished a lot more. It just had, you know, he, he was probably wondering, you know, here I'm in Corinth, it's been... He, he would be there 18 months. How, how come he couldn't have that long in Thessalonica with this group of believers that seemingly was, was more mature spiritually than the, those in Corinth? But, you know, that mob that formed, it was just a violent scene. Uh, verse 18, why, why couldn't Paul go back? See what it says there? Satan hindered him. Yeah, Satan hindered him. Now, we don't know the details. Paul doesn't share that with us. So we don't really want to speculate, but I'm sure Paul was trying to make plans to go back. And in fact, later on, it says down in verse 1 of chapter 3, as they were on their way to Corinth, they were in Athens. That's on the way. Actually, go back to that map, Abby, if you would. Well, Athens, I guess, is right by Corinth to the east. But they, it says when they were in Athens, before they had got to Corinth, they, they sent 
Timothy along with, you know, along back, back to Thessalonica. So even before they got to Corinth, they were making plans to try to get back to Thess Thessalonica. And Satan hindered that plan. Uh, the NIV says Satan blocked our way. That's, that's, good. You know, that's a neat way to put it. But we experience that once in a while in our lives. We, we desire to do something good and serve the Lord. And sometimes Satan just hinders you and the door is closed. And you, you, know, you, don't, you don't give up. You just go on to a plan B and you continue serving. And that's what they did here. They sent Timothy along uh, to, to go back. But Dr. MacArthur writes about that word hindered there. Satan hindered us. Um, it's a military term, meaning to dig a trench or to break up a road. And, you know, just you think of these battles and wars in ancient days, how they would do that. They would, you know, these armies fighting each other and they would dig deep trenches to, to prevent the, you know, the armies from getting to where they wanted to go and breaking up the roads it just, just, just made it more difficult. And, you know, he says that's, that's what was happening here. Satan hindered us. And it was, it was difficult. Um, and then verses 19 and 20 there, how does Paul describe the believers in Thessalonica? What's, what's he use, what words does he use to describe them? Yeah. Yeah, so those are good things, right? I mean, here he's thinking back, and it hadn't been that long. I think it was just even months. Uh, it had just been months since they had been in Thess Thessalonica. Because they went to Berea next, as Acts 17 says, and then they went to Athens in Acts 17. Hadn't even got to Corinth yet. Uh, but here are these, these forward-looking blessings. Our hope. Now, biblically speaking, we know hope is not just a hope so. This is a confident expectation. And, you know, you look at these other words. Their joy, their crown of rejoicing or crown of boasting, as the ESV says. I think these are looking forward to their time together in heaven. I mean, he, he doesn't know if he'll ever see the Thessalonians again. But he as he thinks of them and hoping that they're still walking with God, he says, you know what? You're our hope. You're our joy. We, we just, you ha we long to be with you again. Uh, but the hope, that confident expectation, uh, their joy, that delight and gladness, you know, it's that joy you have when you, when you think of somebody who's walking with God and then nobody's perfect, but somebody who, you know, maybe it's a family member or a friend or someone in the church, you know they used to not walk with God, they used to not be a Christian, but now they're just really walking with God. And you think of their faith and that joy that it brings you. Um, that's, that's the idea here. Their crown, of, their crown of rejoicing. Now, there's some different ideas about this. Is it a, a literal crown that we'll, ha that we'll get when we get to heaven? Is that, I, I don't know. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think? I think not. 
You don't, you don't think so? Yeah, we don't know for sure. It's not, not for sure in the text. And Dr. MacArthur, he actually doesn't think it is either. He thinks it's just kind of a metaphor. When we get to heaven, we will rejoice with, you know, over those who we played some part in their conversion or in their spiritual growth. And we've, we've helped them spiritually. And you can, you can rejoice with them. And that, that, you know, that certainly will be a blessing. You're our, our crown of rejoicing. He, he writes, A great part of heaven's bliss for the redeemed will be the joyful presence of those whom they have been used to reach. You know, just, you just think about that. Spending eternity with, you know, with, with somebody you helped to, to lead to Christ. What a, what a blessing. So he's saying here, we don't know how things are going to play out. We want to see you again. We were torn away from you. But we really, we have good thoughts toward you. We're, we rejoice over you. you you're, you know, you're saved. One day we'll be together in heaven. Uh, our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing, our, our glory there at the end of 20, you are our glory and joy. That glory, that's, in the Greek, that's doxa. That's where we get the doxology, glory. Uh, that's a good opinion of, of someone, a praise. And here, just, when they, when they think of the Thessalonians, they, they just inst- instinctively want to praise God. So he doesn't know how they're doing specifically, but he praises God. They've trusted Christ. So the second point is he wanted to help them grow spiritually, learning to thrive in the midst of affliction. He wanted to help them grow spiritually, learning to thrive in the midst of affliction. And that's in verses 1 to 4. So as, as they already mentioned there, they're on... They're on the way, they're in Athens, and they, they're on the way, and they decide to shift to a plan B. And instead of changing their course and all going back to Thessalonica, Satan hindered them, they, they choose to send t- Timothy there in verse, uh, well, let, let's, let's read verse 1 again. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your, in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. So they, so they send this young Timothy on. Um, so what, what, was, what was Timothy's job here in, in these verses? What was his task? You see it? Yeah, that was part of it, to see how they're doing. He was a fellow laborer, so in the ministry, uh, helping plant the church. What's that? Encourage. Yeah, now look at the, look at the words here. Um, now, they were co, he was a co-worker or a co-laborer, but it says there to, the ESV says, to establish and exhort you. Um, but the first word, establish, um, your, word, your Bible might say strengthen. Establish or strengthen. The first thing t- 
Timothy was supposed to do was to come to Thessalonica and hear these believers. He was to strengthen them in their faith, to establish them. And it's, you know, the word that means to, to make stable, to set fast, make firm. And I, I think the idea is he was to come into town and, and meet with the church and establish them again in the fundamentals of, of, of the faith in the deity of Christ, and in the inspiration of Scripture, and all, all these, you know, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the very fundamentals. And if, if the foundation is off or crumbling, the rest of the faith is going to struggle too. Uh, so to establish them or strengthen them, and then to exhort you. And I think that's where you were saying encourage Equipped? Yeah. Is that the first one you have? Yeah. Equipped? Okay. In place of establish? Yeah. It's neat having all these different translations. We have different, you know, it helps us to understand more how, how to understand the text. But uh, to exhort or to, uh, that second word is either to comfort, to encourage, to exhort. And the word is kind of neat in the Greek because... It, it, it's parakaleo, and it means to come alongside. That's, that's what it means. And so here Paul says, you know, these people are struggling, or they might be struggling, he doesn't know, but he wants Timothy to come alongside them in their faith and, you know, in a sense, put his arm around them and say, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm here to encourage you in the Lord. And it wasn't just, just to make them feel good, but to, but use the Word of God. And through preaching and teaching, uh, and through a, a thorough knowledge of Scripture, that, that, would, that would encourage them. Uh, so, aren't, aren't you thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ that come alongside when you're struggling and just put their arm around you and, or give, give you a hug and say, I'm here to help. God's Word has the answers and and I, I'd like to help. That's, that's the idea there with exhort or to encourage comfort. So what, what difficulties were they facing here? It says in verse 3, or what's it say in verse 3 that they're going through? Affliction. Yeah, affliction. We, no one, so that no one is moved by these afflictions. Trials, okay. Now, through what we know from Acts 17, that brief time in Thessalonica, how there, was, you know, there were three Sabbaths in the synagogue, many people came to Christ, but then there was the violent mob, there was the, the, uh, the riot in town, and just... A lot of op- opposition, a lot of people who were opposed to Christ. And this, you know, this affliction, I think, it, you know, Paul and Timothy and Silas, they, they left town. They, they left the cover of night. But the Thessalonians, I mean, they, they stayed there. That was, that's where they lived. And so the next day and every day thereafter, they still had to deal with these people. Who, who made life so difficult. So I think that's the afflictions they're talking about. 
uh, it's just the, the religious persecution and the opposition. And we face some of these things, right? We, we face, maybe not to the level that they did in Thessalonica in the first century, but what, what are some examples even today that, that we face right now with uh, those, those who oppose Christ? Do, do we face any affliction or trial? Narita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mocked or yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and uh, if you're like me, but sometimes family are the hardest people to witness to. I mean, you know them better than anybody. You know they need the Lord, uh, but they um, have. Have you ever been told by your family, "I don't want to talk about religion. Don't don't even bring it up." Uh, yeah. But yeah, family, that's certainly true. Did you have a thought, Debbie? I can testify to that because my brother's got some family. He's got a struggling drug use. He tried to say he got saved, and that just threw me upside down. Wow. And I thought, oh, no, this is a fanatic. I'm not going to stand up in the Oh, no kidding. <laughs> oh, even from that way, yeah. It's interesting, yeah. Family, yeah, that's definitely a tough one. And, yeah, that's part of it, the afflictions. And I'm sure if their families were, were, were like our families, there may have been some in the family who knew the Lord and many who, who didn't know the Lord. And it's the opposition. Or even, you know, there's in, in the workplace, there's opposition that we face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right toward the end there. Yeah. Absolutely. We have to stick with it. Yeah, and that's, that's partially why he sent Timothy there, to, to establish, to encourage, so they wouldn't give up. Because he knew the type of people they were dealing with. He, he knew the people who had been so, so difficult. But, you know, we face it in the workplace, we face it at school, um, various places. Debbie? Absolutely. Yeah, they are ignorant when they don't know the truth. And they, Satan uses the opposition to discourage us, to get us to, to keep quiet. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's a very real thing. With, 
that's difficult. Power of a testimony. Yeah, that's. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, we we love everybody. We're all created in God's image, but we we can't agree with sin. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was going to mention that the cancel culture, the, the standing against wokeism, that sort of thing. We. We're seen to be haters or bigots, and often that's enough for somebody not to want to listen to us and to, to make our lives difficult spiritually. So here but he, he, he says, so that, no one can, so that no one would be moved by, by these afflictions, or so they wouldn't give up in the faith. They continue on. For, it goes on in verse 3, For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Who do you think he's talking about when he says, we are, are, are destined for this? You think he's just talking about him and Timothy and, and Silas and the ministry? Any yeah, any, any believer. We're, we're, we're destined for, a, for a, a, affliction, trials, the persecution that comes with it. Um, for, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and you yourselves know. So they were living through it every day. Um, the, third, the third point here, uh, and this is just kind of an introduction or just kind of a launching off point for the next passage, which will be next week. But verse 5, he wanted to establish, or he wanted a status report of their faith. He wanted a status report of their faith to know whether or not Satan was gaining ground. He, he just didn't, didn't know their current status. Are they still walking with God, even now, months later after, after a good report? Um, but verse 5 there, it says, For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter, it's Satan, had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. So, there are some. There are some Christians whose faith is not as strong as it should be, and they do, they do give up, right? Unfortunately. I mean, we know people like that. And in many cases, that shows their faith wasn't genuine to begin with. Um, and that's what he's talking about here. If the tempter had tempted you and their labor would be in vain, if, if they didn't stick with it, if they didn't continue on in the faith, showing they, they weren't Christians to start out with. Uh, so, so he's concerned. I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. And Peter writes about persecution and, uh, and, about, and about the devil as well. But 1 Peter 5. And you know these verses well. But 
There's a link to suffering here as well. They've been talking about the suffering and affliction. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, to devour. Resist him, firm in, in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You see that there at the end of verse 9? Satan uses suffering, persecution. That's that's one of his main tools to discourage someone in their faith, whether it be from family or or society, in the workplace, wherever it may be. But he says this is a common suffering. It's the, the, the brotherhood throughout the world also suffer. Other Christians... All, all, all around the world suffer. Um, but we, we have the grace of God and the strength of God to get us through. Praise the Lord. So, here as we, we think about a way to apply this, um, you know, just make sure that, that you're established in the faith. Make sure you understand the fundamentals of the faith and you stand firm in the truth of the word. That was one of the main reasons why Timothy was sent there was was to st- was to establish or strengthen them. Um, in, encourage yourself in, in God's word as well, and like Timothy, seek to, seek to encourage someone else, else as well. I mean, if you, I mean, that's the purpose of the church. We we look around, and if somebody is hurting or struggling, we come alongside. How can I help you? You know, God loves you. I want to help you too. And I, I love you. God's word has the answers. Uh, in, encourage one another. And just remember that we should expect affliction as well. I mean, it's, it's coming, and, and maybe you're living through it right now. It's, Paul said that we're destined for it. It's to be expected. But it's part of God's plan. And he, he helps us through it. So let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you tonight for the reminders here from 1 Thessalonians that trials and affliction, suffering are, are to be expected. We thank you that Timothy was used in such a wonderful way to encourage the Thessalonians in their faith, to help them to understand what is true, to, to, to continue walking with you. Lord, I just pray that we would that we'd remain true and true to you in our faith. That we would stand firm. That we would trust you to to help us through the difficulties of life. I thank you for the encouragement that we have through the Word from from one another as well. May we be a loving church that helps one one another, Lord, in our suffering. And Lord, we just we pray in Jesus' name, Amen.